Welcome to Bygone Geek. Loading another awesome episode in 3, 2, 1, launch. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Come with me if you want to learn. All right, Bygone Geeks. What do you get when you combine rocket-powered penguins with an undead cat lady that has a leather fetish? A movie that scared conservative parents of 1992 so much that they canceled several seriously cool films that could have changed the course of the DC universe. Join us today for part two of our double feature as we flash back to Batman Returns. And the only one who can save this city of the night. Hey, stud. Hey, stud. Uh, th- this is uh, Christmas, uh, another, our first Christmas movie in May, right? I mean, this is a Christmas. This, to me, is more Christmas than Die Hard. Uh, Bygone Geek Universe, Eric, this, dare I say, might be our first erotic movie i mean my <laughs> lord this movie it's right filled with sexual undertones from I start mean, to finish <laughs> where's give me a little shark repellent i mean bring it back a little bit just wait wow. until i get my flippers on you <laughs> oh my gosh I, you know penguin danny i wonder uh you know we're doing batman i'm batman returns and Danny DeVito, I have to, if I were able to ask him a question, I would ask him how much of this was improvised. Yeah. How much did you go off script? So I guess I'd ask Jack Nicholson the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is, uh, I young David, I, if there's lines that young David didn't understand, it was probably like 90% of this movie. For sure. Yeah. I just forgot how thirsty this movie was. Is that what the kids say? Thirsty? <laughs> it is. <laughs> It was thirsty like 30 years before that was even a word. Um, Yeah, it is. You're a thousand percent correct. Like when I was watching this with my wife, again, another movie that she did not grow up on. She grew up. That's awkward even watching it with your wife. No, (laughs) no, it is because there were several times that she would just turn and look at me and be like, did he just say what I think he said? And um, I... I remember, I do remember Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman being very kind of thirsty and very like sexual and kind of S&M like with the leather and all that sort of stuff. But I don't remember how much Penguin, (laughs) like Penguin was 33 years of being trapped in that sewer. He was... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He was lonely with those penguins, Um, and I I can tell you right now, man, thirty-three sewer years are pretty rough. Yes, (laughs) I mean it's wild to me. Like Catwoman, sixty-five episodes plus we're we're doing, and that's the first time we use the word fetish. I think, and I mean this, yeah, you know, when when she is introduced and just like her dialogue, and I mean, we're gonna talk a lot about. I think we just have to talk a lot about. Uh, Christopher Walken, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, you are so going to have to sell me again on Keaton. If anyone listened to the first episode of our two-part series, uh, Batman, I, I had said, you know, I like, I don't need Arnold Schwarzenegger as Batman, but I want a little bit of more muscle tone, right? Mm-hmm. I hate to tell you this. I think he lost muscle tone <laughs> in this one. I don't know what he was doing, but you know, I I can't wait to unpack this because as an adult, I definitely have 
this is like two different versions of a movie yes. watching as a kid and watching it as an adult. And it is so wild watching this one basically back to back after the original one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about how, how Burton was able to get the reins of just the first movie. I'd love to ask him, okay, what made you turn this whole world basically upside down with these with with really three villains yeah. and go really comic booky gimmicky like just what you know it's it's wildly different movie i'd love mm-hmm. to know what he was thinking on there and then like you said it unfortunately put the kibosh on the rest of these movies. Yeah. But then if you think like if we had a pathway to uh, just what we were going to have later in life, I mean, without those other Batman movies and then, you know, whenever Nolan woke up and decided he wanted to create some of the best, not only superhero movies, but movies in general, mm-hmm. it's weird how it all works out, right? We yeah. had to have Batman and Robin, which again, as a kid, I loved. It's always got a soft spot for me, but like, we had to get through all that to somehow get Batman Begins, mm-hmm. The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. It's all very yeah. weird. But anyways, this movie's insanely different than it Batman. It is. Well, and and from what I saw online, the very the very first Batman movie had a $48 million budget and made $411 million So at the box office. So it almost tenfold <laughs> made its money back. Yeah. And so Warner Brothers pretty much was like, oh, this is a guaranteed payday if we bring Tim Burton back. And Tim Burton, when he did the first Batman, did not at all have anything in store for a sequel. He thought Batman is one and done, and that's Uh it. He was completely walking away from the franchise. But because of the amount of money he made, Warner Brothers pretty much just gave him an open checkbook. And he told him, he's like, okay, I think he realized how thirsty they were for (laughs) for him. that uh, That he told him, he's like, I want full creative control. You can't say otherwise. And they gave him full creative control. And that's why you have such an insane movie that also is so Tim Burton. I feel like compared to the first one, there are sequences in this movie that you're like, this looks like it's straight out of Beetlejuice. This feels like Edward Scissorhands. (laughs) Like, it's just, he really got to put his full brand and tone in this one. And I mean... It just seems like he treated it like a, a field day, a kid in a candy store doing whatever he wanted to do. And um, so, yeah, that's why it's so wild in comparison to what the first one was. Um, but this one, it was 80. They doubled the budget, 80 okay. million dollars. I was ask. Eight, um, okay. It, but, and it still did well, but it didn't do 411 million dollars well. It did 266 million. So it tripled. It tripled its money, which is still successful, but it's not tenfold of what the first one was. But I think that that comes from things that we'll talk about in this episode of, I mean, it's 1992. Yeah. This is the era of parents just being like, we need a motion picture association that tells us whether or not, you know, that like, and ch- really being stringent about ratings and that if kids watch this, they're going to turn into two middle-aged podcast hosts, <laughs> you know, um, that uh, it, it, it really freaked people out. And yeah. so I think for people actually kind of boycotting this film, it's impressive. It still made three times its budget back. Yeah, that is pretty wild. I'm, I'm glad to hear that in a, in a way only it's a, a the, not glad that the movie didn't do well, but I'm glad to hear that um, a lot of people are a bunch of prudes just yeah. like me because I, <laughs> I was just like, wow, man. Um, one of the things we talked about with the first movie was the cover on the box. And as a kid, I do distinctly remember, again, there's something, just the bat symbol on the VHS for the first Batman. This one, I remember having the three stacked heads 
Catwoman, Penguin, and Batman. And it just, and the dark kind of purple, not purple, but, you know, dark midnight colors uh, in the in the VHS. And I remember my aunt and uncle having it. And it just looked like, it just looks so different than just yeah. the bat symbol. It's something that always stayed with me. So... Now, hearing you say you watched it with your wife, was the—I mean, was this a, a Bailey family movie? How did this go <laughs> in your household? I'm pretty sure this had to have been one I watched at a friend's house, like a, a friend's house with less prude parents, <laughs> like I, like 50 uh, miles away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like I, because I remember so much of this movie, but there's part of me. Then again, it's like my parents let me. We talked about it. Let me watch The Crow, Bloodsport rated R, B-rated martial arts movies. Um, but at the same time, I feel like my parents were okay with violence, but this type of stuff might have been like, whoa, whoa what did what did Selena just say to, I feel to Bruce so Wayne? yummy. Oh, turn it off. Put the crow back on. <laughs> you can put the crow back on, but you can't watch this. What? <laughs> well, it makes me curious because like I've joked about it before that my dad always used the line from Spaceballs where he's like, prepare to fast forward. And I would say, fast forwarding, sir. And I would always fast forward through the adult parts of movies. Oh. And I didn't discover this until I was much older. And um, I, I do, there are scenes in this that I don't remember. And I wonder if those were the, the fast forwarded scenes. Um, but it, because um, I, I more have in my child brain, this, these pinnacle moments of like when Catwoman falls and, and, and comes to like, comes back to life or when she first suits up or when Batman first suits up, when Danny DeVito is like holding on to the, the sewer drain. Like I remember those scenes so vividly, but there's other ones that I was just like, Oh, I don't, I don't recall. I don't recall this at all. Like part of me, I actually thought, I thought that Christopher Walken was assassinated in like the first scene where he was giving a speech. I didn't remember he was in the entirety of this movie. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is funny how some of that stuff, is a thousand percent locked in my nostalgic mind, but other things I'm like, oh, I completely misremembered this until watching it now. Yeah. I totally did as well, and I totally forgot how. I feel like how little Batman is in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> and you and I are wrestling fans. I equated it to a triple threat match or a four person match where you just don't get as usually a triple threat matches. Someone's not doing something. Yeah, because all three people fight each other just doesn't make sense. Um, and so, Ke so we, Keaton rolled out of the ring. In Keaton the first rolled out <laughs> and sitting at the announce table having some water. You know, uh, and Catwoman and Danny Vito get to shine. Now I say four person though because I too forgot how uh, much walking is in this yeah. uh, do you have a people who know me know I'm fantastic uh, at impressions uh, do you have a Christopher Walken that you can do for everyone here <laughs> uh, uh, let's see I'm trying to think of what it would be an easier line to say because I feel yay Batman what what would you do it went the from southern... yeah I kind of almost went Forrest Gumpy there too <laughs> <laughs> That's strip boat walker walking right there. I always like to draw out like uh, Christopher Walken and I'm going to the grocery store. Now, see, that was absolutely horrible. But I, I love doing uh, him because he's just so out there. And I just forgot how sinister he was in this. And, uh, and this movie is interesting because I feel like it's the first, uh, well, definitely more than the first movie. Like, it's like, 
political. Yeah. Um, and I forgot Christopher Walken's plot of trying to have Cobblepot be the mayor. It's just, it's, it's a little envi- it's environmental as well. Like there's right. a lot. Yeah. There, his yeah. land or his thing he's trying to build with the, um, and all. yeah. I, I, what I, what young David just remembered Batman again. And I, as a doll, like he's really not in this movie. I mean, there are long, long parts where we don't see him um, uh, for a while. So I think it might be hard for you to sell me on Keaton today. Now, I do have one question because I was trying to notice it between my watches. The suit slightly changed in this Mm -hmm. movie. I feel like he has more of a his chest and his stomach is more plated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He and I feel like they used a different material as well. Like when you rewatch the first one. I think that they were trying to figure out what a superhero suit looked like because they were used to literally, you know, cotton material of Adam West and all that sort of stuff. Like nothing that looked like armor or protective. Because, yeah, when you look at footage or even like posters, especially of the first Batman, his cowl is super thick and like it's almost too bulky in certain scenes with certain lighting. But in this one, it's far more streamlined and dialed in. I feel like the cape looks cooler. Um, I feel like they seem to really figure out what materials to use for it. And I know specifically I saw something online that said that he was so uncomfortable. Keaton was so uncomfortable in the first movie and so claustrophobic because it was such thick material. He couldn't hear anybody and he didn't have a lot of like peripheral vision and stuff. So he felt very secluded. And he said at times it helped because... Batman's kind of a recluse anyways. Um, But at other times he's like, this was just eerie and uncomfortable. And um, so I think that that's why they thinned it out. But also they apparently added a zipper to the pants so that he was able to actually like have bathroom breaks while he was filming eight hour scenes and things like that, which is like, who in the world? That's why they added a zipper, young Eric. Exactly. (laughs) Sure. Especially in this movie. (laughs) Fast forward it there. (laughs) Um, You know, when as I'm older, we're older, I think... I, I think it'd be so cool to be Batman and all that. But hearing you describe that process. Yeah. I even Halloween, Halloween, you know, in our minds as kids lasted forever. Right. It really didn't. And and I really think like I would I would that mask wouldn't be on me longer than an hour. Yeah. Like uh, Superman is the way to go. Nothing on your face. Yeah. At all. Like Batman looks cool, but I wouldn't wear that cowl for longer than an hour. I'd be done with it. I mean, much to like he does at the end of the movie where he rips it off. Yeah. And you see, you actually see all that material. You're like, oh gosh, that is, that is yeah. thick, man. Uh, so as I get older, like Bane, you've got Iron Man back there, even Cap, uh, who I love, like, I don't want anything on my face. Yes. Uh, you yes. know, uh, and this is coming from a person who wears a mask on his face at night. So <laughs> I know what I'm talking about here. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that too, because uh, watching it now as an adult, when Keaton pulls the, ba- like rips the Batman mask off, it's also very convenient that his black eye makeup goes away. <laughs> because in, in reality, when he would have pulled that off, you would have had raccoon Michael Keaton. <laughs> You know, with perfectly circular black eyes because 
They, I mean, if you think about it, Batman would look really dumb if his eyes weren't painted black with that cowl right. on. But yeah, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, movie movie magic there. So he doesn't look absolutely, you know, because in reality, I think if he would have pulled it off at that moment, he's like saturated in sweat, hair matted down from right. sitting in rubber all day long yeah. with raccoon eyes that are dripping like he's been crying. <laughs> you know, it would have kind of ruined the intimacy of that scene. Just a touch. Just but, a touch. Yeah. So, so in the last... Last episode, we talked about merchandise, and it was a big standout for you. Was there the same um, for Batman Returns as far as merchandise for you? Uh, new new gadgets, new belts, new toys. I know we have the Bat Boat kind of thing in this. Like, did you add things to your repertoire for toys? I feel like I was getting so much stuff from the 1989 movie all the way up to 92. <laughs> that I don't remember there being a delineation between the two, except for they really didn't release an actual DeVito version of Pink, which makes sense because I think it was kind of too terrifying of an action <laughs> figure for you to own. Um, and so what's interesting is they actually re-released an earlier um, version of the Penguin, which is more to look like Burgess Meredith from the Adam West series as Penguin. Okay. He had kind of like a bl navy blue suit, and the really long pointy nose and had a little like his little cigarette and things like that and his little top hat. And he did. He came with an umbrella as a weapon that you could use. Um, <clears throat> but it was not remotely at all Danny DeVito. And from what I realized that from what I found online, they had a lot of different deals that were in the works from the first movie that there was supposed to be versions of these toys for Batman Returns for McDonald's Happy Meals. Mm -hmm. But McDonald's thought it was like, this is too adult of a movie. We're not going right. to put this in a Happy Meal. And so they didn't even do Happy Meal toys for this yeah. movie because of that. So, um, yeah, when I was a kid, I was still very much continually getting Batman stuff. But I think it was just carryovers from the 1989 one. And then I almost wonder if that's why they started then doubling down on Every iteration of camouflage, accessory, mm -hmm. like the jokes we've made, you know, plumber, Batman, all that sort of stuff. Um, right. Because I think they needed to make money somehow. So they're like, well, let's just take the mold from the 1989 one and just keep repainting him for all eternity, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> and it's funny. They definitely did because I remember having wildly different iterations of Batman yeah. and none of them seemed like out of Batman Returns. Um, and, and I never had the Danny DeVito figure, but I had so many penguins mm -hmm. that came with this button you could press and a little rocket would shoot off the back. Yeah. Like they were basically army builder toys, right? And yeah. that's what they are in the movie. But I don't remember having a Catwoman yeah. figure and I don't remember well, having and a Danny DeVito figure. You're remembering right too, because like they um because I I actually have probably at least a dozen different versions of the those Batman suits. Um, from that era of action figures and I, a couple different toy stores I've gone to, there was an actual one from 1992 that was just like four to five penguins, like literally yeah. just the penguins in the entire card. Like there was nothing else. Um, so yeah, I think they intentionally did not include Danny DeVito cause he would just scare the living daylights out of kids. I mean, and hats off to him. I mean, I don't know where he was in his career or what it was like to to you know to get him to sign on to the, to do this. I mean, you really have to give yourself to this role and be vulnerable and just. I mean, he's walking around in like 
pajamas yeah. that are not like f- flattering, really, you know, uh, <laughs> nightmare fuel. I mean, there's just a lot this character has to go through and do with makeup and, and everything, acting and all that. And I just wonder where DeVito, if DeVito had any like to Tim Burton, like, yeah, just do it all, whatever. I'm on board. I know he speaks with such reverence now. Yes. Like when they, sh- I saw this thing where he was showing a picture of Keaton and he's like, that's Batman. He's the Batman and I was in, he's Batman. Yeah. So I know he, lo- it seems like he loved it all. Yeah. Um, and clearly, I mean, when we've, here's what Batman movies have done and maybe other super superhero movies too, but, but, but defining roles as far as villains and the actual main character of Batman. I mean, I love Colin Farrell. DeVito is Penguin. Yes. Yeah. Forever. Yeah, for and, sure. And, you know, he cemented his his legacy with that. And and Danny DeVito's done so many other great movies and he's been in shows and I understand that. But I mean, I guess in my brain, he's always Penguin. Yes. If, if that's what I'll remember him for. Yeah, I would agree. And I think if uh, just looking back through his movie history, this by far is his most intensive role where he's not being Danny DeVito. Like, mm. it's not the typical trope of, oh, let's put him next to Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's, you know, under five feet tall, and that'll be funny. It you could know, happen. It, Freeze <laughs> and Mr. Penguin rocking and rolling. <laughs> That's true. Um, but it... Um, you imagine uh, the sexual tension in that one? <laughs> <laughs> you oh, need to is- cool down. <laughs> Take a cold shower. <laughs> they would definitely be a match made in heaven, though. You know, he, he can keep the he can keep the penguin lair at to a nice cool temperature and all you know all that sort of stuff. That would be so funny, especially with their history of twins together. I would right? pay so much money to see that. Uh, we need to fan source that to see if we can get that produced. Um, but no, like I, you're right. He just he went all in for this, and it's very impressive that he went all in for it. And I almost wonder if it's because he saw what um, Nicholson did in the first movie. Uh, He's like, oh, if the Joker is what the first movie is, then I got to be, I got to be through the roof as Penguin in this one. And, um, but what's cool about this is so much of my collectibles room is from Stan Winston Studios. Like all of my Terminator stuff that's on my podcast desk I mean, all the molds were making by, made by Stan Winston Studios for Arnold to do the cutaway looks of seeing the chrome endoskeleton. The original 2008 Iron Man, also Stan Winston. Jurassic Park, Stan Winston. Like, he has done so many different things. Predator as well. Can't forget Predator. But he also, he came into this movie and was specifically tasked to make Danny DeVito look like the Penguin. And he killed it. Yes. <laughs> like, um, it's just... I really remember as a kid how absolutely horrifying he was and so much scarier to me than what the Joker was. And I think it's because of just how he looked and how, even though he was small, he was small but menacing. Um, And then to take something as cute as penguins and make you horrified of (laughs) penguins, um, it's very impressive. And, uh, And then the black spit. The black tarry spit with the the filed down teeth was so horrific. And it's just, I saw something that said that Danny DeVito, while he was in that makeup, he never broke character. That Tim Burton has actually been interviewed saying that he only saw Danny DeVito when they stopped, essentially when they were done for the night and he took the makeup off. Like he just, he captured that character and kept it the whole time. Um, 
which then again it's like i couldn't imagine how terrifying <laughs> like you're sitting there at a catering table and he's just sitting there spitting and <laughs> just like talking in his crazy voice um and just fully committed to the character but i just i don't think you get this level of intensity in a villain without somebody taking it that seriously i really don't yeah and i think the same could be said for Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, mm-hmm. it's come out to late in in recent inter, uh, recent interviews, you know, as The Flash is coming out, and that's a big reason why we're doing this two-part series on on Keaton's films, because he's back. Um, I saw a clip or a, an old footage of, of Pfeiffer with the whip hitting off the mannequins, and I think it was one take, and and yeah, then doing the jump Three of them scene. in one take, yeah. I mean, like, the. I mean, we t- there's so many of the... Uh, actors who talk about training for the MCU now. I mean, it just was, I don't know if it was really talked about back then, but Michelle Pfeiffer put in the work to be this role. And you could tell because it looks so natural, her presence. And when she wore that leather, and even when she wasn't, like she just totally embodied this character Mm -hmm. um, uh, from such a switch to what we see her in the beginning of the movie. I mean, uh, young David probably <laughs> got lost in the leather and and couldn't find his way out. And it's all David totally. It's seems really like tight. What you know, the second in. you get in there, you just can't get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 I think I remember her as being scary, yeah. uh, scary one because it reminded me of uh, oh gosh, this is such a scary movie. I'm, I'm, but it's Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, where they're with Practical Magic. Oh yeah, like it had a little bit of vibe to it when she comes back to life and all the cats and it just you know she is a lasting memory of me of being terrifying as well. But incredible work on her part. Um, that's what I, that's what's wild is like this is a Batman movie, mm-hmm. but. But Catwoman and Penguin are the stars that get to shine. Yes, I agree. And that's a interesting thing when you think about it. It's like from, like when you look at, I mean, we always make draw comparisons to Terminator. But when you look at Terminator 1, I mean, the focus really is like Sarah Connor and um, Kyle Reese. But then when you get to Terminator 2, they realize that like, oh, the money is Arnold. Like, so let's double down on Arnold. And sure, you gave him the companion of John Connor. Um, And you had, I guess, and you had the T-1000 and stuff like that. But at the same time, I feel like Arnold was still the main through line through that movie. But in this, you're right. I feel like Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer came on and took it so seriously and then at the same time i feel like yeah we saw keaton as bruce wayne way less and batman way less and so it's just it's a surprising move for them to actually show the hero less in a sequel but it makes sense i mean i do agree with you when devito is on screen or pfeiffer is on screen they are absolutely just stealing the scene from everybody else um, and then it's even hard when they're on screen together in later scenes. You're like, I don't even know who's doing a better job here. Like, this is right. just insane. Um, and yeah, like, I feel like as much as you get some thirsty scenes between Catwoman and Batman, there's some weirdly thirsty <laughs> scenes between Penguin and Catwoman that I don't remember as a kid. They must have been fast forwarded in the house. <laughs> I don't remember as a kid and now I'll never forget <laughs> as an adult. Um, and I have to wonder, did they have, you know, with Pfeiffer and Keaton, uh, Pfeiffer and DeVito, again, was there some leeway there? with And, and how, you know, did they have fun with a lot? 
lot of this stuff and like really get uncomfortable with it. I mean, yeah. let's let's be honest. These are adults in costumes. Yeah. Um, in 1992. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I would have mm-hmm. loved. I, I didn't get into behind the scenes stuff until I was in college. I would I should go back and see if I have any behind the scenes stuff on the disc I have or or if it's on the, the streaming because it would be fun to go back and watch how, uh, how this one was made yeah. because of everything that's thrown into it. And and I would watch the Jack Nicholson one too to see how he went and, and him and Keaton. And I think as an adult, I think when you look at it, at that these are adults playing superheroes, I know they are now too in the movies we watch with Marvel and all that. But here, well, you keep referencing the early 90s. It was a different time back then. Wild. Right? These then, roles yeah. were different. And I, I don't think these roles as were as secure as, as big as like, like you hear now any actor who's on Conan or 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 uh, Fallon or whatever, and they they lead with, "Dude, you're in the MCU now." I don't think that that wasn't said in the '90s. No. Like, oh, you're part of the DC. There wasn't a, a DC universe like no. there is, right? No. So I'd love to see what what these movies were like being shot and mm-hmm. and just how how they felt doing them, you yeah. know, and were these going to be a, I wonder if I thought this might be a career killer. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly it was not. And, and no. clearly they gave us um, incredible, incredible villains. Again, more, I, I started to think about it because I referenced it in the last episode. This is Joker's origin story. Well, this is also Penguin's origin story. And this is also Catwoman's origin story. Yeah. And I started to think, are a lot of our movies the villain's origin story? Because I'm so used to, especially with Batman, you always see the parents get killed. Um, with you know Spider-Man, you see the spider bite. I started to th- you know think about Iron Man. And I said, well, it's got his origin. You know. But I love that the, the villains in the Batman universe are really given... I feel like the villains get more time to shine. Um, and I think that's pretty pretty great because I started to think not to say Batman's like one, one dimensional. He's not, Yeah. but I do think, I do think there's only so much you can do there. Yes. And you do need these <laughs> other to dress up like a bat and jump off rooftops and you have no actual super superpower. You yeah. need a crazy villain. So I'm glad we got to see them. Yes, for sure. Well, and, and that was something uh, I, I read. I think it was one of the original reviews from back in the day for this movie and the person put it so well of saying that this movie depicts otherness, that yeah, it's like people wow. who are on the out. And I'm just like, that is a great word and a great way to describe this movie is that, yeah, like Catwoman, even but Selena Kyle before she becomes Catwoman is lonely. Is this like loner who, man, Pfeiffer kills it when she does her self-talk. And she's just like, honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot I wasn't married. <laughs> like yeah. she does... She's su- she has this out loud self-talk that's just so funny. And at the same time, it's the typical 90s trope of putting glasses on a very attractive woman and we're sp- supposed to think she's ugly. Right. Um, it's just like, what, what are we doing here? Why are we pulling a Sandra Bullock? Um, <laughs> but um, same with DeVito. It's like when you first watch this movie, I'd say the first 45 minutes, you kind of start to feel a little bad for Penguin. Um, and this idea yes. of like his, I mean, his parents are pretty horrible, which by the way, I was today years old when I found out that Pee Wee Herman is yes. Penguin's dad. I don't know how I never saw that, but it literally was just, I, I saw that Tim Burton uh, behind the scenes, he said that he was trying to get Burgess Meredith, who was the original Penguin, to literally have this deep cut to yeah. show Burgess Meredith at the beginning of this movie. But he was having some serious health issues, so they had to pivot. 
And an easy pivot was Tim Burton's first movie was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And so he's just like, he just calls him up and he's like, sure, I'll do it. It was such a small role. But I was like, wait a second, that's Pee Wee. <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad you said that because I was like, God, he looks familiar. Gosh, he looks familiar. Who? And then with the little bit of a mustache he had and just mm -hmm. a little older looking, but that is classic Pee Wee Herman. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm glad you also brought up this the, this take on Penguin mm -hmm. is he actually a villain? Yeah, you know he gives this great speech about I want to know my human name. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to see who my parents were. I want to have things that I was born into, but I was put down a river. Yeah, like yeah, I was you, and now I was casted away. Mm -hmm. I just want everything you guys all take for granted. Yeah, I think when Danny gives that speech like i wrote it down on this little notepad because it was just like my wake-up moment of like this is how this movie is separating itself yes um because it's wham pow hit you in the face batmobile there's political stuff there's catwoman coming back you know to life is the other but like there is this interesting is there is this a, a, supposed to be a an endearing story here somewhere yeah about you know i'm one of we're all we all need a little bit of love. Like Penguin didn't ask to be put in a cage. Yeah. He didn't ask to be born that way. And then he didn't ask to be, I think, on Christmas thrown down and into the water. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Now I know like, you know, later in the movie and he's like, he's talking bad about everyone and we get the other plot and all and he that. But wants to kill everybody's firstborn child. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he kinda he kind of pivots real I'll hard. Give him a pass for that <laughs> after everything I just said. <laughs> No, but I, I agree with you. The majority of this movie, he really does have this interesting storyline of because uh, even when he's first interacting with Christopher Walken's character, when he abducts him down into the sewer and he makes reference to like Christopher like Walken flushing things away and trying to get rid of things of like. You know, here's the can of your toxic waste that you're dumping down the yeah. sewers. Here's like with a little bit of time and tape, he's able to put together shredded documents <laughs> that was also tried to be thrown out. And then when he pulls out his like dead co-worker's hand, and it's like, you remember your like it's so funny, but at the same time, there is this deeper through line in it that whoever wrote this screenplay, it really is a uh, really cool when you think about it that a character who is literally flushed away as waste and as yeah. as lesser than is now taking waste of others and using it against them like it's a cool plot line when you think about it when you, what you poop goes on my mantle you know i was <laughs> yeah. just like well all right i like this yeah i mean it's such a great line because he is a disgusting down there in the sewers and and it is but he's he's like he's not dumb he's plotting no. and he's making his return he's building his army down there he's bane but underground yeah. basically um and somehow the the growing up being being raised by penguins they must have a very good school system because he is very, oh. he's very well educated and eloquent <laughs> You would be surprised. No, I'm just kidding. I, have no, I know nothing about penguins except for I don't want to meet them because they're going to shoot a rocket at me and they're terrifying when they all walk together. Like, well, and that's yeah. a funny thing too that I, I saw as a behind the scenes thing is this movie is a mix of people in penguin costumes and also a mix of actual robotic penguins made by Stan Winston Studios. And at the end, when you see the little penguins with the rockets, those are real penguins. 
And because of the use of real penguins, animal rights activists in 1992 protested this movie <laughs> for strapping rockets to the back of real penguins. Um, but it's weird that you have people in suits, robots, and real ones. Like, it's just, it, it, I don't know why they had so many different versions of penguins in this movie. You got Tim Burton, man, and to be in his mind for just a little bit, right? <laughs> but I, I think I had it in my notes as a joke, like, don't worry, PETA fans. No penguins were harmed in the making of this movie. But then I was also like, uh, were they? I don't know. I don't know what we got. In 1982? Probably. <laughs> because I was also going to ask you that same question, because when you do see him walking out, especially at the end there with DeVito as he's laying there, I was like, I, I thought of Ewoks and things like that. I was like, how many of these are, are in a costume? Yeah. They're not all real, but right. some of them look real. And then on set, how did they, what if you accidentally like bopped one in the head and it was a person? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I, I think the king penguins, the taller ones, especially the ones that like carried him into the water, those were people in suits. I think the ones that they then showed that like had the... um like little mind control helmets on and little eyepieces. Those were the Stan Winston robot ones. But yeah, when they're running through the streets of Gotham with the rockets on their back, those are just straight up real like penguins. And I, I saw something that they, when they filmed those scenes, they had to keep the set under 40 degrees in order for these penguins to be okay. Um, and the production crew hated it, but DeVito loved it because he was layered in prosthetics and a fat suit that oh he was just like, gosh. oh, 40 degrees is comfortable for me because I'm baking under here. <laughs> See, that's what's this. The Tim Burton, James Cameron, these directors who, I mean, if you got the chance to work with them, uh, uh, you know, DiCaprio didn't say no. Obviously, Kate Winslet, you know, Keaton, uh, DeVito, Pfeiffer, they're all in it. But like I saw this other thing where it was like staying at a hotel, $100 a night. So two nights, $200. But then it had all these other hidden fees that were like $80. Yeah, we're going to do the Titanic. It's going to make you the biggest superstar ever. But then you think of all the stuff they had to do in the water forever. Yeah. You just uh, 40. Yeah, you're going to be in a Batman movie, but we're going to be a 40 degree below temperature for hours. You're going to have to wear all this make like all these <laughs> hidden fees yeah. that just make you think like I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? It all sounds cool. And the, we love saying this, the, the movie magic, the magic of movies, right? But man, alive, the intensity and the work that it takes to get these yeah. superhero movies, especially in the early 90s, on the screen, mm -hmm. it's just impressive. Now, talking about the impressive, thank you, Michelle Pfeiffer, for paving the way for the greatest superhero movie of all time, Catwoman with Halle Berry. We had to get one for the other, <laughs> just like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. We got this to give us... Halle Berry's Catwoman, one of your favorite movies. I think you said you watch it every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a life-size statue of her right next to Iron Man. It's Made just off by screen. Stuart Winston it. himself. <laughs> and it's got... <laughs> I don't even know where I could throw Paul Scrutiny in today, but he has to be. He did the music for the Halle Berry movie. 
<laughs> what? Did you see that movie, Catwoman I, with Halle Berry? I, I, Is it even a Batman movie? I don't understand that movie. Yeah, I don't either. I have never seen it before, so I don't even know the storyline. I, I we should apologize to Miss Barry, I guess. You know, we love you and John Wick oh, and every, a lot of other things you do. Yeah, like I feel like in the movie Swordfish with her and um, Hugh Jackman and John Travolta, that was a, a awesome movie. I feel like she was great in so many different things, especially in the early 2000s. But man, oh man, uh, her publicist and her agent should be fired. I, well, she probably did fire them after that movie um, because it's just... I think that that might be one of the most low-rated DC... I think that might be the lowest DC-rated movie of all time. I'm pretty positive it has to be. And see, if we were... If that... Okay, if that movie was now, just much like Bat, Batgirl or Batwoman, would it have been not made? Yeah, probably. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It really makes me want to learn more about the Batgirl movie and why, again, with Brandon Fraser, Keaton in it, like really yeah. how, what happened here? <laughs> something, something. I think it's yeah. going to come out eventually, but maybe after all the Flash movie stuff comes out, maybe that's a, a media bomb they're waiting to drop. I don't know. Um, but okay, now being serious, we did get another Catwoman after all these other cat women, Hallie, or uh, Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. In the Dark Knight uh, Rises. Now you have three. Now you didn't see the Halle Berry movie, so I guess we can't really count her. So we'll just say we have two. Does does Anne Hathaway hold a candle? Candle candlestick? I don't know. You know that <laughs> saying is from your your time. Does it? Does she hold it to to Michelle Pfeiffer in any way? Uh, yeah. I mean, even the way I'm kind of leading the witness here, <laughs> the way I'm asking you this. <laughs> if, if she was in a volcano, could she act her way out of it? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. They're not even comparable, right? Not even remotely yeah. close. Like, yeah. I feel like Pfeiffer in this is, she to me, De- DeVito is great as Penguin. But I think who stole the show of the entirety of this film is Michelle Pfeiffer. I really yeah. do. I think her human alter ego combined with her, her as Catwoman, is she killed every single moment that she was on screen. And I feel like, uh, no, I don't think anybody will ever match her. Because like, isn't it, um, is it Zoe Kravitz is the new one in the Batman? The new yes, uh, Catwoman? Yes. Oh, so you have a fourth one. Yeah. Like she... Wow. She yeah. did. You can tell that she grew up on Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Yeah. You can tell that she was trying to bring back in that kind of seductive feline femme fatale sort of thing. Um, but she was trying to channel Pfeiffer, but but still trying to do her own. So I thought her attempt was better than Anne Hathaway's attempt. Um, but it's still none of them are Pfeiffer, and I can't remember her name. But there was a woman that was the Catwoman in the Adam West Batman, mm. who was actually very good. Um, and I feel super bad that I can't remember her name. But um, it even with all of them, the by far Pfeiffer, I feel like forever will be this. She's just the definition of Catwoman. Yeah. I mean, I I saw an interview that said that. I mean, this almost did not happen. It was actually Tim Burton cast Anne Heche. Um, as oh. as Catwoman, she was set to do it, but by the time the production got delayed, she got pregnant and didn't think she could take on such an intensive physical role. And Michelle Pfeiffer wanted it so bad and lobbied real hard to Tim Burton to get this. 
And so she took kickboxing classes. She learned how to use that whip, like you were saying. And she did everything she could to fully embody this character and has made reference in years past that Catwoman was like, she loved seeing Catwoman in the Adam West show. She loved Batman comic books that included Catwoman in it. So you could tell her childhood passion for this character. She's like, I need to do her justice. And she did her justice better than anybody else ever could. And for that mantle to stand since 1992, is very impressive to me. Yes. Like she did not have to do it. She didn't have to go that hard in the paint, but man, oh man, did she. Um, And she's a perfect example too, of as much as you said that DeVito and Keaton, you sign on, we're going to put you in a Batman movie. And then you realize all the uncomfortable secondary things you have to deal with. Right. Apparently they actually made over 60 Catwoman suits for her in this movie because she was, it was latex and they literally had to vacuum seal her into the suit and kind of just tape it all together. And when she was done with her filming every day, they had to just tear it off of her. It was destroyed every single time because it was just sucked down to her body. And I mean, it makes sense. It's like, I feel like when you watch this movie, it's just like, it, it's just, it's, there's no room. Like it's just literally skin tight yeah. latex. And, but she looks so comfortable in it and feels like it's almost like her skin in this movie. Like that's how she's meant to be sure. uh, all the while. I guarantee you, she's just sweating her butt off and was so ridiculously uncomfortable, but you yeah, know, it's crazy. I retract everything I said about, you know, DeVito now, because uh, again, uh, old man, David, you know, young David, throw me the bat suit. Let's do this. Old man, David, throw me penguins pajamas. That <laughs> is what's comfortable. I don't want the latex. I don't want the rubber cow. I don't want cat boobs. I don't want any of that. Just give me those pajamas. I'll sit in the ice cave. I have my umbrellas. It's all good. Like that's, he, he had it, he had it right. Um, you know, when I was thinking about this movie compared to the first movie, the other movies we got, and I was thinking about like, how's the best way to describe it present day? Um, I was thinking like this movie's like the Harry Potter franchise in the sense of like Prisoner of Azkaban. It turned it up so much compared to even the other Batman movies and the ones we got. Like the mystical nature of it, the dark nature, the sexual nature, it's all dialed up to a 10, which is weird because there was never even a dial up from before. Like no. it just went from zero to 10. Um, and so I was trying to think, okay, that's how I would think of it now. I think Michelle is so great. And you mentioned Zoe and not a knock on her. And again, I mentioned Colin Farrell, not a knock on him, but like, I don't, and I know times are different. Uh, I know we want a darker gritty. The DC really loves all that. It, it's a dude in a, in a, in a bat suit though. We can still have some mystical nature. Um, right. Like Anne Hathaway's character didn't have, I think that's why Michelle, she is, I, she's like, I don't know, just uh, Captain Jack Sparrow as Catwoman in a sense at times, right? Kind of the yeah. way she saunders in and like just the way she moves and all that. Hathaway was too stiff and, and so was Zoe, I think like, I get the cat and mouse game works, but also you need to have some fun with it. And I think yes. that's why Michelle, you know, if you know what's weird is like if they did it again, like who would be another Poison Ivy? Um, and, and not to knock on, um, uh, I can't, I'm blanking on her name. She was a great Poison Ivy. Was it Uma uh, Therma? Oh, Uma, yeah. Yeah. But Michelle could be another Poison Ivy. That mystical nature, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, it, you're right. And I think that there's, 
I think it's clear that I think some of these people that haven't done a, as good of a job as what Pfeiffer has done is it must be so hard that when the music score isn't playing and the lighting isn't set and all that sort of stuff, and when they're first putting on that suit in their dressing room before they say action, it has to be embarrassing. Mm, yeah, like yeah. sitting there in that suit looking at yourself in your dressing room has to be like, this is stupid. My career is over. <laughs> what have I done? And But then to take that and the second they put the camera on you in the tone of the actual movie universe, you have to commit. And I yeah. feel like Pfeiffer fully committed. Like it's just, she, I mean, she clearly was like, I'm Catwoman, deal with it. Like she just was so confident and that really showed through. Yeah, I, I agree. It has to. Uh, then I also have like, it's like Vin Diesel, how everyone knocks him for gaining weight and being shirtless on a yacht. And then people are like, you're shirtless on your couch. Vin Diesel's doing just fine. I think of like Keaton sitting there all, you know, sweaty and like uncomfortable, but just counting thousand dollar bills. And oh, just yeah. like, who look, you want to get nuts? Who looks stupid now? You know, like I think. <laughs> also, yeah, because yeah, he made $10 million for this movie. Wow. 10 million bucks. Like, it's just crazy. You told me Nicholson uh, got back end money, right? Mm -hmm. Did you hear or see anyone have that on, on this one for merchandise or anything like that? I wonder, yeah, I, I don't know either, but I wonder if DeVito had something in his clause where he's always yeah. going to have a piece of this. I, I did not see anything from my, my research, but I wouldn't be surprised if Keaton knew that he was a draw from the first movie because the first movie he made $6 million, which to me was still impressive that he, he's kind of new to action movies and they paid him $6 million for the 89 Batman. But um, yeah, it, it's just, I, it makes me curious. I should have looked up what Pfeiffer made because it definitely wasn't enough. Whatever no. it was. Yeah. And it we know she probably enough. didn't make a lot. She probably no. underpaid, you know, just given the time and everything. Um, but she stands she stands the test of time and, and so does uh, DeVito in these roles. And so does Walkin. I mean, you know, his, his agenda is probably um, more adult in the sense of what he's tried to do and yeah. how he's like, you know... Uh, cheating everyone and try to get this plant done and he literally pushes i mean he he feels like he could get away with anything he literally kills a woman yeah. right um when you i know penguin talks about killing the first board i totally mm -hmm. get that you've got a guy killing people in broad daylight yeah you know what i mean yeah uh i forgot just again i think i said earlier just how sinister he was but okay i'm gonna ask you something you got three villains now mm -hmm. who was the worst of a ball and who if you could only pick one are you picking penguin you pick a walk in or you pick it uh well it's cat it's catwoman a villain she's so mid it's she rides that that way i mean i can't get the way she takes out walking out of my mind with the uh, oh, taser yeah. electric yeah. you know so i i mean that's that's killing right there and i totally before i say that you answer i also yeah, Batman kills in this one. He I does, mean, yeah. holy moly. <laughs> he puts that dynamite on that big dude and just walks away Iron yeah. Man style. Yeah. So well, it's the like heroes to love movie. is God. Yeah, one well, early in the movie, he lights a guy on fire with the afterburner of the Batmobile. Yeah, so, you know he didn't make it. Um, yeah, it. Um, I do it's fake fire. It's all fake. <laughs> but I do. Um, I kind of feel like I had a. I don't view Pfeiffer. I don't view her as a. Um, a villain in this even though there is that balance between bruce and her at the end where he's like you can't do this let's just go right off into the sunset together we can't kill people sort of thing 
but at the time, and then it's the same thing too. It's like with DeVito, I had a little, I felt a little bit sorry for him for the majority of the movie. And then even though, yeah, he pivoted real hard into let's kill the firstborns. Okay. We can't kill the firstborns. Let's just kill anybody. Um, you know, he just keeps like doubling down each time. Um, but none of it actually came to fruition. So I was just like, okay, but you're right though. With Walken's character, Walken is a very creepy fella. Yeah. And I, I saw an interview with Tim Burton where he said he almost didn't hire Walken because he's scared. Of Christopher Walken. Tim Burton. That's saying something. Scared of Christopher Walken. It's really saying something. Um, but he, I mean, he has this ridiculous white like <laughs> yeah. hair on the whole time. But he's still terrifying. And that whole, you're right, that whole sequence when he's pushing Selena Kyle just slowly towards that window. And then it's just kind of like jokes with her that, oh, I'm not going to kill you. Turns and then just shoves her. That is a scary, brutal scene and the most villainous scene in this entire movie so right. to me christopher walken is by far the the main villain in this movie oh he's absolutely terrifying and my i love when cobblepot's introduced to um his political team and he bites <laughs> that dude's nose yeah. and you just watch walken going our new mayor and he does a fist bump mm -hmm. like he will stop at nothing right yeah doesn't care who's gets hurt as long as the, yeah i mean he's even a well, you know, I think he'd even risk his son's life. I know at the end, oh, yeah. he's like, take me, all that. But like, yeah, Walken is a, a scary dude. And I think he does get lost in the all the other when the other three characters are dressed up to the nine with everything. Right. Like Walken's character could be forgotten as a kid. He definitely stood out to me throughout the whole movie as an adult. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you talked about Terminator, which is so funny. We share like we share a braid. Is this movie, it's a sequel. Is this where the sequel beats the original? I'll reference Back to the Future 2, in my opinion, Terminator 2, The Dark Knight, and then one of the biggest of all time, Empire Strikes Back, where everyone says that was better than Star Wars. To you, is this better than Bat the Batman, the, the to Bat Batman, the first movie? I feel like if you asked young Eric back in the day, I would have said Batman Returns is the better movie okay. because I feel like Batman Returns was more crazy to me. Like well, having all the characters, more nuts. You want to get yeah, nuts? It is more nuts. Double the nuts. Um, and, um, especially with the sexual undertones. Um, Easy, Catwoman. <laughs> but I kind of feel like. I kind of feel like as an adult, I, w I was thinking about this when I did the the both rewatches. I kind of still feel like the 89 Batman might have a few points higher in my okay. mind. And I think it's because it's less crazy. Like, I yeah. think that it's less nuts, that it's just like it's they rely more heavily on the dynamic between Joker and Batman. And I really dig that. And and in this one, it's just like it's almost a little too Burtony to me as an as an adult. Um, so yeah, but it's I mean it's only by like a couple points, a couple percentage points in my head. And it's the hard part because like it's like those triple threat matches where the guy you're rooting for, maybe he's the heel. You could look at it from both sides, but you know, 45 minutes of a match, and then that guy who was never really in it comes in and gets the pin. You're like, right. it just leaves a weird taste in your mouth. As much as I love these characters, like I did find myself going like, I need more Batman. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and when he does show up, he's not an afterthought or by any means, you know, but it's just and maybe that's that's because 20 years of other movies of Batman, we do get a lot of Batman. Yeah. Um, you know, Scarecrow in the Bale series is, you know, other than the Dark Knight where we get a lot of Joker and rightfully so. I mean, I feel like even Bane was and, and Raz, uh, um, Raz al Ghul's daughter. Yeah. I, I can't remember her name, but like they were they were they were not as heavily in the movie. No, um, uh, more than Christian Bale, even even Bruce Wayne got more time than the other villains, like in the Bale movies. Yes. Um, yeah. And and same with the Affleck movies, and same with the Robert Pattinson movies. Like, and and the scenes with Keaton as Bruce Wayne were also not throwaway, but I just like remember the cold soup scene and like mm-hmm. the talking, and I it was fine. But I was just like, I just felt like a lot of other focus was not on Keaton in this one. Yeah, it is surprising that. Um... I don't. I, I'm not quite sure why he's featured so much less in this. I mean, I guess it makes sense when you're adding so many more characters. Um, and you're right. I like. I do feel like yes, there are many scenes that when Batman shows up, they're very like. I like the scene where he, the big guy, he walks up to him and he's like, you know, give me your best shot, sort of thing. <laughs> and I just, I like that he punches him and puts that dynamite in. But that smirk that he gives him in the suit, like in this movie. I feel like Tim Burton really dialed in his lighting and the the dramatic nature of how he lit Batman and and Catwoman and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's just a lot of sequences like that where you get more of instead of an intensive accent sequence, you just get this cool pose and facial expression of Batman. Yeah. Um, but it is it, especially when you compare it to the first movie, let alone any future installment of Batman after this. I would have to say, like you're saying, it's the least amount of screen time for Bruce Wayne, and to me, probably the least amount of screen time for Batman himself, yeah. um, it, of any of the in this whole Batverse. Um, so, it, but at the same time, I wouldn't want any scenes of Pfeiffer taken away or Devito right. taken away. Right. So it's a tough balance. It's like, do you make it a Snyderverse three and a half hour <laughs> film, or or do you keep it at you know two hours and twelve minutes? I think is what the original version is. Um, so yeah, it is it is a weird balance, but Batman still is a necessity for yes. it. Um, yeah, I mean the scenes between him and Pfeiffer and their little fights between each other, and like how could you do that? I'm a woman, and Keaton goes, "Oh, I'm so I did," and you know I I thought those were all great. I mean they're I I'm, I'm I want what you just said. I want longer than give me more scenes with them yeah. because I thought their chemistry was fantastic. Um, and same with Keaton and DeVito. I, yeah. I just want more. I just want more movie of Batman in there. Now that we've seen the origin of the stories come to fruition for like seventy five percent of the movie. Yeah. Now give us all three. Maybe we. Well, we we maybe we just needed another movie where Penguin was still alive, and we know uh, Catwoman is still alive. That's another thing. I thought it was kind of odd that the movie ends. We always so used to the the. We did get the bat symbol in the sky, but. Yeah. It's Catwoman who right. ends the movie. Mm-hmm. We're used to seeing the Dark Knight standing on a building yeah. and the movie fades out. I thought that was an interesting choice, which made me think, okay, this is gonna do they're gonna do more. Yeah. And and it never happened because of what you said of how it turned out and yeah. it was scary. Well, and that's that's what's intriguing about it too, and kind of what I referenced in my my intro is that 
that scene was an afterthought. That scene was almost when the movie was fully produced and ready to go that Warner Brothers is like, okay, let's try to actually tease and set this up for a potential future kind of spinoff multiverse sort of thing. And so actually when Catwoman appears and looks at the the bat signal, that's not Pfeiffer. It's actually a body double because they did it it's so DeVito, late. It's isn't it? <laughs> Yes, it's, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> but, yeah, you just see the long nose sticking out. Uh, I don't think DeVito could, I mean, vacuum sealing him into a latex suit would not be very appealing to look at. Um, but no, it, it, that wasn't Pfeiffer. It's a fill-in that they did to, in order wow. to, that's why you don't see her face at all in it. But that was supposed to, It contractually, it actually did. It set up a Fife, Michelle Pfeiffer standalone Catwoman movie. And it also was setting up that Tim Burton wanted to do a third installment of this movie called Batman Continues, which is a horrible name, but it was called Batman Continues. Yeah, and it was bad. supposed to bring Pfeiffer back and it was supposed to bring Keaton back, but it was also supposed to reintroduce Billy D. Williams as Two-Face. He was supposed to get actually like da- like uh, injured by Selena Kyle as Catwoman and become Two-Face. And then Burton also was already in talks with Robin Williams to be Edward Nigma as the Riddler for Batman. Oh, this is where, so that universe would have, wow. So we wouldn't have had Batman forever. We would have had Batman continues and you wouldn't have had Tommy Lee Jones. You'd have Billy D. Williams and you wouldn't have Jim Carrey. You'd have Robin Williams. Mm. I mean, I, I feel like I would have loved to have seen that universe. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, Batman Forever has a corner of my nostalgic mm. heart too. So it's hard. It's very hard. But would yeah. Keaton have signed on? I would like, I would think they probably would have double they would probably would have given him a twenty million dollar paycheck and cut his scenes even <laughs> even more. Maybe he would have had even less dialogue. Cause I mean I'd now, if you think about it, if he went into Batman Continues and you have Billy D. Williams that we need to establish his storyline as Two Face. And a carryover of Catwoman. And we know that Catwoman only has one life left to live from the previous movie. And you bring in Robin Williams as the Riddler. Keaton would have had two seconds of screen time. Like there was no, he wouldn't have been in the movie at all, I feel like. And got paid more than all of them. <laughs> you <laughs> would, yeah. that. Um, so now that we've talked about Batman, Batman Returns, this was, this was the first time Keaton, two times Batman. Then we got Kilmer. Mm-hmm. Then we got Clooney. Then we got, well, then Bale portrayed the the, the, the cow for three times, so then yeah. he eclipsed Keaton. And then Affleck's been Batman and BVS, the Justice League. He was in that Suicide Squad movie, yes, um, the yeah. first one with Jared Leto as the Joker, probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. Super bad, yeah. Hey, how... Halle Berry's Catwoman, Jared Leto's Joker's like, hold my beer. You know, I, I, I guess. Like, wow. Um, but now, so do we count Affleck as three times? Yeah, because isn't he showing up in Flash but, as well? But now he's a Flash, so he's four times. Pattinson's one. Is is Affleck Batman the most? Even with Keaton coming back as the Flash, that's only his third time. I do Affleck's think... the fourth cowl? Yeah, I think Batfleck does have the most movies, but probably the least screen and maybe not the least screen time because snyder movies are very well, long snyder movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. that helps it right yeah. there well um, especially if you then consider justice league and snyder cut justice league that's actually a fifth movie yeah <laughs> would so, you yeah. ever thought in 2023 as we're talking about these movies now would you have ever thought you would have said ben affleck has portrayed batman more times than anyone else 
Isn't no. that wild? To, that is wild. To just even to even think about. Um, and then as we talked about this in the first episode, but it still is mind boggling. You know, you're on YouTube. You see um, the, the, they they released another trailer. They think the final trailer for the Flash movie about a couple days ago. I don't know. It's weird to me that I'm sitting in my living room. I've got two daughters. I'm I, I'm married. I'm 35 and just a life. And Keaton is on my screen on a trailer mm-hmm. as Batman. It's just something that I just never thought we'd see again, especially doing these back-to-back episodes and seeing him in the mask again. He looks fantastic. I know we talked to him, we gushed over it. Like, I know he's not my number one choice as Batman. Um, I do think, he, thankfully, he's put on a little more muscle mass now. Uh, <laughs> in his uh, 70s. <laughs> I, I, you know, he looks great. He must be doing Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger's program. <laughs> um, I am stoked, though, for this because... You have to wonder. After all we've talked about, he he's done this. He did Batman Returns. He didn't do it. There. It, it it just the universe ended. Yeah. You have to wonder. His this is his last ticket to punch as returning yeah. as the Cape Crusader. Is he leaving it all on the table? You know what I, I mean. Yeah, I get true. goosebumps thinking about you know. Same with with Harrison Ford. Last time he's putting on that fedora. Yeah. Is this the last time we're gonna? This this comeback for Keaton as Batman, and then it's over. Yeah, cherish this moment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's insane because from 1992 to 2023, we're getting it maybe for one more time. When yeah. I honestly thought we'd never ever get it again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty wild. It's going to be pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah, and I I do I think um I think Keaton, especially now in his career, I mean, just think about how he's developed as an actor since eight the 89 film to now. Right. Um. I mean, he's got, uh, you know, so many awards on his his mantle. You know, there's no poop on there. There's nothing but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> awards. <laughs> but the, like, I I feel like he is. He seems like the type of guy. Jack Frost could be the poop on his mantle. Did you see <laughs> that movie? True. The, frozen, the frozen piece of poop on the mantle. <laughs> That's what we'll have to do this holiday season because I liked it as a kid. But as an I adult, I'm like, oh, I this is rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to call it now. That'll be our first holiday season episode. The movie's freaking sad, though. I mean, <laughs> my frozen sad. tears are running down my cheek on that one. <laughs> but the, um, but no, like, I, I do think Keaton seems like the type of person that is going to put it all out on the table. Like, I, I think that he knows that he carries this legacy of being the original big silver screen Batman yeah. um, over at even Adam West because he was more television and all that sort of stuff. And so, I mean, I just can't even comprehend. I touched on it a little bit in the first Batman episode, but I just couldn't comprehend. It's like having a studio come to you in your seventies or like how we keep referencing Indiana Jones in your eighties and telling you, Hey, this universe still loves you, man. And so much so that we want to integrate you as a large part of this new multiverse. Like, uh, that's got to be humbling. Uh, uh, but at the same time, Nick, you feel like, you know what? <laughs> being trapped in that cow and not being able to hear my co-stars for six months straight <laughs> was was all worth it, I guess. Because um, somehow it connected with the audience, even though I was having a really horrible time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I couldn't think of a the only... Bigger, and this probably shows just how wrong I am of where I rank Keaton because he's so beloved. But like, the only bigger Batman, but it doesn't have much as a 
audience because he's not been around as Batman as long because Keaton, we're talking about 1989, he's got just a larger... When you're the first silver screen Batman, you're going to have more fans, I think, because they yeah. were around before. Mm-hmm. But if Bale shows up again, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're talking, I think, like Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield style, yeah. right? But I, I, I think like... Keaton and the excitement to see him back is just like larger than life. Yes. It's, it, it's insane. Um, and I cannot, I cannot wait for it, but I did have talking about these superheroes, something that did stick out to me before, you know, um, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in this flash movie because it's been happening in some of the MCU movies. Uh, I think of like the Zakovia Accords, um, Catwoman, talks about it uh, in this movie. So it's interesting. 1992, 2023, we're still talking about it. And I, I asked you before, we had the hero's dilemma. This time, I'm talking about the heroes or citizens kind of quest. Heroes and political power. Catwoman goes, because she wants to kill uh, Walken's character. And he, no, don't. He, he's too, he's, and she goes, you know, basically like he's, he's, he owns the courts. He's too big. The law doesn't apply to him and it doesn't apply to us. Right then and there, I thought of like the Zakovia Accords and everything like with superheroes. Yeah, where do and and maybe in the Flash movie they'll bring it up because uh, Barry Allen is clearly like using his power for his own personal gain to try and save his mom, and he's like messing up everyone else's life. Yeah, is there a line in the sand that needs to be drawn for the people we depend these superheroes to save us in these movies, like? I loved her line because it's still something they do in these movies now. Yeah. Law, law doesn't apply to us. Like Batman, you, 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 that henchman probably shouldn't be in jail, but you just blew him to bits with the dynamite. Like, yeah, yeah. We always, we never really count about the, we never do a superhero's body count. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. What do, what do you think on that? Do you think uh, maybe that'll ever be, maybe, maybe, maybe Barry Allen will be talked about in the end of Flash of like, you can't do this. Yeah. This is a, this is illegal. You're bending the laws of time, but then am I a hypocrite? Because I think of back to the future and <laughs> how, true. you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's really started to make me think about these, these, these superheroes and, and what they are above and, and, and what they get away with. Yeah. I do. I do think that that is something that I appreciated that. Cause that's, is that, um, is it by age of it's after age of Ultron that yeah because of the Sokovia because of the destruction they make to that city, right. I loved them integrating that type of storyline in of like yes you saved things but you also destroyed an entire city's population and all these other types of things that the sacrifice that needed to be made in order to serve justice in whatever final form that it was um that that to think of that there's collateral damage that heroes would cause mm-hmm. I, I really like that storyline and i like it because i think that we're lucky enough in this world sure i mean it would be sick that this statue of iron man was because it was a real dude that really was like turned from a um you know a warlord who was delivering i mean just all about profits to then stopping his weapon manufacturing and doing the right thing to balance the world man that would be amazing if that was a real world thing but in the real world people who do that don't care like and yeah. and i think that that's what's hard is that it's um 
it's an interesting storyline because I think that that is what would happen in the real world is that we would try to rein in and politicize um, superheroes. Much like another series that does that well is um, um, uh, The Boys on Amazon mm, is yeah. that you're literally sponsoring and politicizing and putting P public relations spin on this collateral damage that a superhero does and that it becomes gross and disgusting and um, and what you would fully expect it to be in the real world. Um, so I am, I, I, you're right though, I am curious to think of in The Flash, there has to be some sort of a storyline of like, dude, you just tore us into a multiverse that we weren't aware of because you're yeah. just trying to save your family. Um, that has to be addressed in some fashion, but maybe not. I mean, it's truly the end of the Snyderverse, so they don't have to address That's it. True. Um, It'll end with... Uh... Catwoman looking at the bat symbol and it all <laughs> was one big uh, universe. Well, and that is the thing that makes me, yeah, I am curious to just see how they, they do that in this because it's just, it, I don't know, it has to be addressed. And I, I think even um, up until this point in, in Batman versus Superman and the justice, especially Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel, I mean, they level Metropolis. Right. Just like two dudes fighting to completely level Metropolis. And so it is something that has been building that needs yeah. to be talked about for sure. It'll be interesting. We see this with a lot of the, the Spider-Man movie with, with Garfield and Maguire, of course. Like they did the, a lot of, we need to send them back. We'll fix them here and send them back. Like the Flashpoint Paradox is a fantastic movie, but like it totally, you know, I don't want to give spoilers for people who haven't seen it and people going to this movie, but like there's some, it's a very fascinating timeline which always made me think like if Bruce Wayne had time travel powers, would he have just gone back and saved his own parents? Um, Probably, but what, yeah. what ripple effect though would that have? Um, and, and then I was thinking about the hero's dilemma, the a question I asked you in the last episode about a uh, hero's killing. Well, you're killed my henchman. I'm going to, you know, does him killing create the villain to keep killing as well? You know, mm. um, you, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's as adults, it's just made me think about, superheroes and their roles and what is what they uh what is sacrificed is it the citizens they're saving that mm -hmm. are also sacrificed right? right um but what would happen without them too it's just it's the fun of these movies but also some like i think the flash movie is going to bring I, i've been hearing it's like very emotional so yeah. just really got me thinking about you know but if it ends in you know because it's a, a a lot of different timelines i would be the happiest man alive if somehow it ends like a credits end cut scene with DeVito as Penguin and Mr. Freeze and DeVito's like on an inner tube and they're just sitting and drinking drinks with umbrellas and pineapple hanging out of them and just like, <laughs> this is cool. And then it just ends. I, I would give a, a seven minute standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That would be hilarious. It does. It makes me curious though. Do you think Pfeiffer will show up in this? The Flash movie? No, it's tw we went through COVID two years, and it's not 2023. No, we'll get Halle Berry as Captain. <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, that would be horrible. Not the hero we want or deserve, <laughs> but we get it. <laughs> it makes me curious, though, with as much as she's uh, invested in the Marvel Universe with Ant-Man now, like, I wonder if they could pull her over ever so briefly, because there's part of me, like, it's a little sad at the end of this film when... 
you know, you see Bruce Wayne lonely in the the snow filled. I think it's supposed to be Christmas Day because he just wishes Alfred a Merry Christmas in the final sequence. But he thinks he sees Catwoman and then he's just standing there somberly in this alleyway. I would like to know if, um, you know, the thirstiness of both of them at least culminated into a relationship since <laughs> since 1992. And he hasn't been this lonely bachelor, um, you know, this whole time. But who knows? It'd be it'd be nice to see, though. <laughs> oh, see, as an adult, I'm like, oh, poor him. I worry <laughs> Alfred's got to take care of this poor schmuck, like keep pulling his tidy whities and making him cold soup. Like, oh, it's cold. It's supposed to be a dingbat. Like, I'm worried about Alfred. Where's Alfred's Catwoman? He's he's out there. So I'm, I'm yeah. team Alfred. But it's funny. We're probably, you know, now that I think about it, since that Alfred is probably, like we said in the first episode, he'd have to be 120 years old. So essentially, if he's not in this movie, imagine an Alfred list Batman. <laughs> We're going to, the Flash is going to show up in the Batcave and there's just pizza and dirty laundry everywhere. <laughs> it's just like nobody's been taking care of him since. 1992 uh, he doesn't know how to put his suit on all the way that's why it's like even in the trailer we don't see the lower half he's probably just got boxers on and then the cowl is on on top <laughs> he's been zoom fighting he's been a COVID. <laughs> he doesn't do his own laundry yeah alfred is alfred is the unsung it's hero true. of the batman uh franchise um this has been a blast going a two-part it's our first, I want to say our first two-part series uh, doing yeah. these. And we're actually going to do uh, later in June a, a, a three-part series with Indiana Jones because of the Dial of Destiny. I hope everyone's in, enjoying this stuff because I, I was telling someone about the podcast. Like, they are, they were asking what to, to maybe, what episode to start with. And I said, honestly, like, each episode has brought out more to me than the topic itself. And that's yeah. what's really surprising. So... Uh, yeah, it, it's just been a blast uh, going over over these movies, and again relating to them to what we're talking about is nostalgia. Uh, movies that are coming out in 2023 that were that are continuing what they started in 1989. Yeah, so absolutely uh, been a blast getting uh, nuts with you, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I cannot wait to. Um, maybe talk about the flash down the road with some spoiler free stuff, but it'll be interesting. And, and, and we'll see what, uh, what happens with Keaton and the rest of this, uh, Batverse. Yeah, for sure. I am very curious to, to watch that, but, um, yeah, thanks everybody for making it through the double feature with us. And I feel like, we'll, like David said, immediately trumpet with a trilogy back to back feature. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun trip to go back to the Keaton verse of Batman and to hopefully, see that come to fruition 30 plus years after the fact so yeah thanks everybody for listening and until the next time you see us or hear us be sure to live your life with just a little bit of whimsy we'll see you guys later thank you for tuning in to bygone geek please rate and review our podcast and follow us on instagram at bygone geek i don't know the future i didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end came here to tell you how it's going to begin.